Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we are going to study the scriptures from Proper 18. Proper 18. Last week, we looked at 17. We looked at the book of Job, the book of Acts, and the book of John, and we will continue with those three books. Job, wisdom literature in the Old Testament, beautiful wisdom literature, uh, profound, very profound. We raised quite a few questions last week. We'll raise some more this week. Acts, the journey of the early church. The early church unfolds. Peter, Barnabas, Paul, alias Saul, Timothy, Silas, James, John, Luke, Mark, and then John, the Gospel of John. We'll be looking at chapters 10, 11, and those are two fabulous chapters. So always a tremendous amount to learn. And when you put it all together, sometimes there's a theme that runs throughout all three of them. Well, let's begin with Job 25. Job has 42 chapters. We're in the middle of it. And remember, we've got three of his friends respond to Job and his plight. And then Job responds. Chapter 25. Dominion and all belong to God. Dominion and all belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? Rhetorical question. Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? Great question, right? How can one be born of a woman be pure? Even if the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, much less man who is but a maggot, a son of man, who is only a worm. So compared to God, we are infinitesimally small. So there's a tremendous difference between man and God. So it's very important that we understand the relationship between us and God and who God is and who we are. That's a very, very, very important teaching. Very important teaching. Let's look at Job 32. Job 32. In Job 32, Elihu, Elihu is speaking. So these three men stopped answering Job, remember the three that I spoke about, because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they found no way to refute him, Job, and yet had condemned him. Now, Elihu wanted to speak. So Elihu speaks in chapter 32 and through chapter 33. Let's look at a few verses. Verse 8, but it, is, but it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. We have a spirit, and God speaks to us, and God gives us understanding. He speaks to our spirit. And what you and I want to do is hear the voice of God in our lives. We want to hear God speak to us. Let's look at verse 4 of chapter 33. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Absolutely true. Verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride. So God speaks to us. We can hear him. He speaks to us in a way that blesses our lives and brings benefits to them, and he can communicate with us. 
Now that is Monday's reading, Job 32 to 33. And then we go back to Job 29, 1 through 20. Let's go back to Job 29. This is Job speaking. Job 29 uh, and Job 30. Job 30. Verse 1, Now they mock me, men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. Of what use was the strength of their hand to me since their vigor had gone from them? Verse 9, And now their sons mock me in song. I have become a byword among them. So in Job's plight, which is now very, very seriously bad, and he's trying to figure out what it all means. People are not treating him well. I spoke about that last week. People are not treating him that well, so he's not well thought of. Now remember, Job was a very, very, very righteous person and very well thought of, very well known. Look at the first uh, several chapters. And now he's disdained and people detest him and they do not care for him and they do not uh, want anything to do with him. Job, 29, Job 31, Job 31, uh, verses 24 to 40. Again, Job is speaking. He says in verse 14, Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the one form us both within our mothers? Again, the beautiful scripture on creation, the beautiful scripture on God makes us, on a beautiful scripture on the our creation and how we got here is from the Lord. He is the one that made us. Very important point. And he just continues to speak. Verse 24 if I, of chapter 31. If I put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands have gained, had gained. And he had tremendous amounts of money. If I have regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, then these also would be sins to be judged for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Job in the process of listening to these three persons who give him advice. And as we, I just said, we have Elihu in chapter 32 who now gives some more advice and some more commentary. He's trying to think back about his life and about things that he has and things that he's thought and things that he's done and wonder, what's the value of them? What's the significance of them? Are they from the Lord? Are they not from the Lord? What is going on here? Now, perhaps you haven't done that kind of reflection in your life, but I would suggest that you do that regardless of your plight, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how things are going for you. It's very important. Well, in chapter 38... Finally, God is going to speak. Elihu speaks quite a long time. And then the Lord speaks. The opening verses are unforgettable. The Lord answered Job out of the storm. This is Saturday's reading. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. And here's his first question. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Where were you, Job? What do you know? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimension. Surely you know. Sound like you know a lot, Job. You know what I'm thinking. You know what's unjust. You know what's just. Tell me. Brace yourself. 38, 1 to 17. Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Basically, what do you know, Job? And let me ask you several questions. 
What happens is that God does not tell Job why he did what he did. He simply appears and has the, these several chapters of these amazing revelations. And Job, as you, we will see later, responds quite fantastically in, in a very penitent and a very humble way, as we'll see next week. Enjoy the book of Job. Enjoy the beautiful poetry. Think about how these verses might relate to your life and who God is in the process and what you can learn about God by reading these immortal words from the book of Job. Let's turn to Acts. Now remember I left you in Acts 13 and I said one of the most important verses in the Bible is coming up. It changed the course of history. Verse 46. This is Paul and Barnabas. Let's look at 44, which sets it up. Chapter 13 of Acts. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Remember, they're preaching the word of the Lord. There's several speeches in Acts. Very beautiful. They're sharing the gospel. Verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Now, that wasn't the first time that happened. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Now, that had disastrous consequences. We are not going to share it with you anymore. We, Barnabas and Paul, we are going to share it with the Gentiles because they want to hear it and you don't. We have given you full advantage and we went to you first. Look at the last 200 years. This is what the Lord has commanded us. I'm not doing this because I want to. God has said it. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That scripture in Isaiah 49.6, I've made you a light. I brought Israel forth in the Old Testament so that you can bless the Gentiles and they can receive salvation. When all the Gentiles heard this, verse 48, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who appointed to eternal life believed. So they believed and God blessed them. The Jewish people, that's another story. So the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, verse 49. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing, the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. The Jews were not very nice. Remember all the problems we said last week that Jesus had with the Jews in those tete-a-tetes? And expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The Jews rejected the gospel and they went elsewhere. Now, what you'll see in chapter 14 for a couple of days is they were in Iconium, they were in Leicester, in Derby. They returned to Antioch in Syria in chapter 14. They spoke the word of the Lord boldly. They preached the good news. This is what they're doing. They're going from town to town. They're preaching the good news. This is in uh, chapter 14, verse 7, and chapter 14, verse 3. We are bringing you good news, chapter 14, verse 15. We're bringing you good news. 
telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Okay? Then they go to Antioch in Syria. They preach the good news in that city, verse 21. I mean, it's all over the place. What's the key for us today? That you and I would hear the good news. That we would respond with great joy. That we would tell other people about the good news once we've received it. What's the good news? The good news is the gospel. The good news is the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ and its incorporation in our lives. The fact that he loves us and he saved us. He died for our sins and we follow him faithfully. We repent of our sins and we follow him as Lord and Savior. So the exploits of Paul and Barnabas. Then finally, chapter 15. Now, there were some people that were causing lots of problems. Verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. If you don't get circumcised like we Jews, you can't be saved. So they brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Verse 2. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the believers to go down to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So they went down, and this is called the Council of Jerusalem, Acts 15, very famous chapter. And they were trying to work out this problem and this debate among the Jewish people, Jewish Christians. Verse 11, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. How do you get saved? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have to be circumcised to be saved? No, you do not. Verse 19, it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So, they so several key people spoke. Then there's a letter. Read this carefully as you go through your scriptures this week. There's a letter to Gentile believers. And it says in verse 28 and 29 in the letter, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to burn you, uh, not to burn you with anything beyond the following requirements. Here's what we're asking you to do. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. And at the end, 35, they said farewell. They went down to Antioch. They spoke. Paul and Barnabas, 35, remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. So, they have a serious problem. Everybody stops what they're doing. They congregate in Jerusalem. They figure out what the problem is, and they come up with a solution. That solution is read to all these other communities in the areas and disseminated. Okay? And so look at verse, um, we end in verse 35. All right, we preach the word of the Lord. We'll pick up in verse 36 next week. So what you have right here in chapter 15 is the council, and in 14, they're on the move, and they are sharing the gospel. They're sharing the good news of Christ. Now, what is that good news? Well, we go back to John. This is why what's nice about this daily lectionary is you're reading an Old Testament lesson, you're reading a New Testament lesson, and you're reading a gospel lesson. And again, they might all meld together. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they work off of each other. Sometimes they work in a parallel fashion. In chapter six, we, 10, we talked about the, the, the good shepherd. Remember we said that Jesus is the good shepherd and he takes care of his sheep. And throughout the rest of that chapter, 10, 19, 
2.30, we're back to the Jews again. The Jews gathered around him. Verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. If you're the Messiah, tell us who the Messiah is. I did, but you didn't believe. Verse 25, the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. I love 10.27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I try to live by that line. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Verse 33. We're not stoning for any of these, said the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And he was God, but they did not see it. Have you ever been in a situation where you were sharing the Bible with people, the sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, and the person just couldn't see it? You said it before and for, and you prayed for them, and you ministered to them, and you spoke to them, and you were, pray, you were hoping and praying that they would submit to Christ and be saved, but they never did see it. They never did hear it. They did not understand. This is what's happening here. The Jews did not understand what he was saying. Over the course of four days, we have... John chapter 11. Now, John chapter 11 is a fantastic scripture, and I'll just go over it with you so that you can enjoy it and enjoy reading it. And that is, Lazarus died. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus's, brother to Martha and Mary. And they asked Jesus to come and save him. Jesus takes his time. He waits four days. So he, Lazarus, is in a tomb, but Jesus said, I'll come. So he takes the disciples with him. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, of course, this is a foreshadowing of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And the prophecy is Ezekiel 37. Go back and look at Ezekiel 37, the raising of the dead bones. So God restores life. God renews people. Some of us in this audience might need renewing, might need to be saved, might need to be raised from dead bones, might need to be resurrected, certainly renewed. Jesus can do that. He's very powerful. And so this is a tremendous miracle. Now, one of my favorite verses in chapter 11 is verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So when we pass from this life to the next, this is death. We pass, we pa we're living, we're living, we're living, we're, we die, and then we pass into the next life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So when you die, you're going to live in Christ because you have eternal life. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is to the audience. Do you believe that? Christ is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Okay. Now, you would think that everybody would be ecstatic about somebody being raised from the dead. Nope. Verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. That's good. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body, what are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke, you know nothing at all. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. 
So in 53, look at verse 53 in your Bible. From that day on, they plotted to take his life. And they were successful. Why were they successful? They were successful because it was the will of the Lord for that to happen. God allowed it to happen, but only in his timing. And we'll see that later on as we work through the book of John. Thank you for joining us for our study of Job and Acts and John. We will continue that process next week in proper 19. Enjoy your week of reading and study and prayer and reflection. May the Lord bless you abundantly. We'll see you next week.